This week on Physio Foundations, I'm talking to Kylie Williams from Monash University in Peninsula Health about kids' feet. Welcome to the Physio Foundations podcast for another week, a podcast about the knowledge and skills that provide the foundation of expert clinical practice. So this week, I'm talking to a colleague and a mentor of mine from the School of Primary and Allied Healthcare at Monash University, Kylie Williams. Kylie's a podiatrist, and she has a special interest in pediatrics, so it's kids' feet, and a strong track record of pediatric research and health services research. So Kylie supervises a number of PhD students. We've supervised a HDR student together, which was a lot of fun. And Kylie's also the early career researcher coordinator in the school here at Monash. So Kylie, thanks for coming on Physio Foundations. Thanks for having me again, Luke. We've had a chat before you came onto the Monash Musculoskeletal Research Unit podcast, and we had a really nice chat really specifically about your research on that one. I'll link um, to the show notes that episode if people are interested in that as well. And you did a really good introduction to yourself and your background and where you came from. But let's start again today. Can you tell everyone a little bit about your interests and current projects and things that are going on? Absolutely. Um, so I'm here at Monash um, part-time, but but very large part-time, and I work in private practice the rest of the time. I've got a very small role at Peninsula Health that I'm finishing up soon as a, a senior uh, senior researcher there, and it's something I'm stepping away simply because we have loads of exciting things um, that are coming to Monash, I guess. One of the, um, some of the research we have going at the moment, um, I have a fantastic PhD student, Jack, who is working on a toe walking project and that is about looking at functional MRI where um, we're asking kids to make sensory decisions while they're in a MRI and mapping what's going on in their brain and which part of brain their brain they're using when they're making these decisions. Um, it's something that if you have a child between the ages of um, 7 and 15, that is healthy and um, walks pretty typically. We would love to hear from people. So that's that's my little plug. But the other is if you have any kids or know of any kids that have idiopathic toe walking, that is toe walking without any reason for it's an exclusionary diagnosis. We're also wanting to recruit those kids into this study because we think they might see the world or feel the world a little differently. So that's kind of one, one big thing we're doing at the moment, um, apart from lots of other cool stuff at, at Monash. Lots of exciting things indeed. So your, so the, the study that Jack's leading as a PhD student on toe walking that you're looking for participants for, how can people get in contact with you? Let's, we could have done this at the end of the episode. Why not do it at the start? Yeah. It's so important <laughs> to try to get people into these studies to try to help with these conditions. So how do yeah, people sorry, contact um, you? Yeah, we'll get you to put my my email or we'll put some links or my Twitter handle and you can message us and we'll get back to you with um, with how. We've got some great videos. One thing we're starting to do more with our kids' research is produce cartoons for kids on what it's like to be part of these uh, research projects. And what we're finding is the kids are really prepared when they come in. They kind of know what's expected of them. And it's something that I've been chatting with colleagues about how can we make sure kids in research are ready to come in and, and be part of whatever study that's going on. So we can send that out to anyone that's interested 
uh, in, in being part. Mm. So let's um, let's talk. Well, I was going to actually get, get you to talk a little bit more about the current project. So we're going to talk about the Doctor of Podiatric Medicine, the new course that you're running. But I, I need to go back now because we've gone straight into that project. Why? Tell tell the listeners a little bit about your interest in um, idiopathic toe walking and. Um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> how um, long have we got? How long have I mean, we got? A quick that summary, because I'm, I know people will be interested in how come you got into such a niche topic and um, yeah. and what's your interest in the area? My, I've got long-term interest in kids who walk on their tiptoes for, for no reason. Um, I've got a child who does it. That I actually have, have seen kids throughout my professional career, but way before I became a mum. But um uh, working with the families who have what's called an exclusionary diagnosis is incredibly frustrating. They get all these treatments thrown at them that um, clinicians are throwing the treatment that matches their own skill set rather than the treatment that always matches the child and family needs. And so I guess one of my passion areas is trying to work out why some of these kids choose to walk on their tiptoes and then how we can align evidence-informed treatments that match the child's and their family's needs um, and to minimise a lot of healthcare waste that goes along with um, with some of the random treatments that get thrown at these kids as well. So we've kind of been on a 10 or 11-year journey. Um, we've learnt a lot along the way and we're starting to get to a pointy end where we start to do tailor-made treatment or patient and family match treatments and start to study those because we're we're kind of identifying different niche things about these kids. Some might be less strong, some might be more strong, some might have sensory needs, some mightn't. So how then can we pick the right treatment for them based on, I guess, better profiling of them? Hmm. So yeah, we're just scratching the surface there. And, <laughs> yeah, and we I are. told you it's, it's really an in, really an interesting topic. And yeah. you go into this in perhaps for about half an hour in the um, MMRU podcast episode I mentioned. So I'll put that one in the show notes. I'll also put your email in there as well. And people can, if they're interested, if they can help out with that project, they can DM you on Twitter. Yeah. Kylie Peds Pod. Yep, that's one. When's the um, Peds podcast starting? When are you starting a podcast? Oh, look, there's not enough time, no. not enough hours in the day. Not this week. <laughs> not this week. <laughs> so there's not enough hours in the day because for you at the moment because you're heading up the new Monash um, Doctor of Podiatry Medicine course and that was that went public the other day. It did. You were tweeting yeah. out about that. So tell us a bit about that. That's That's exciting. It's really exciting. Um, there's not enough podiatrists in Australia. It is a, it's on the skills shortage list. We are a growing but in much demand profession. Um, any podiatrist could have um, kind of their pick of jobs right now around the country. We're especially deficit of podiatrists in regional and rural areas, and they're often the population that have the most foot health needs. Um, so I guess... Monash offers the Doctor of Physiotherapy, the Masters of uh, the Masters of OT. Um, it kind of seems natural that we also offer um, an other allied health courses, and podiatry kind of fit the bill. Yeah, especially um, with the skill shortage and that, that yeah. need, yeah. Yeah, and we had the skill set. We've we've um, I'm I'm here, and we've also got um, we've got um, great relationships with our clinical. 
providers at Peninsula Health and Monash Health who continue to work. We've put a number of podiatrists through their PhDs and MPhils here at Monash. And so when the school kind of were, were evaluating this, we put our hand up and said, hey, this is an area that we think we could we could offer. And so at the moment, um, I, I'm acting in this role to get it up. It's, it's live. We're recruiting and promoting the course to take graduate entry students from um, February next year. So we're no time like the present, let's get cracking. And we're also aiming for this, for the DPM to be a what's called a pathway A course, which means graduates on, um, on exit or on graduation, they can have their registration endorsed for schedule medicines, which is something that um, podiatrists can actually access as part of their registration, meaning they can use different scheduled medicines such as antibiotics, local anaesthetics, um, there's a big list from the Podiatry Board of Australia that they'll have access to be able to prescribe. So that's really relevant because, as you mentioned, there's a big demand in rural and remote areas, and then there's a, arguably a larger scope of practice for anyone working rural and remote to do, you know, be the everybody's everybody yeah. everywhere and try yeah. to do a lot of stuff. So, so that that's new then. It, yeah. That's that's a new development in the podiatry profession yeah the accreditation standards and this is without getting too deep into um into education but all courses are accredited and there was new education uh, accreditation standards released for podiatry at the beginning of this year along with new capability um standards as well so it's actually a really exciting time to be part of podiatry education because we feel that we're educating the podiatrists for the future that are really work ready, working to the top of um, their capabilities as well, given we're able to build this course from the bottom. Other courses around Australia are doing a fantastic job. It's not to say um, they're not, but it, this is a different opportunity having, having a, um, a graduate entry course and it aligns with one of the others over in um, Western Australia. And we need more podiatrists, so... Go. There yep. it is. Yeah. And so it, the next logical question would be, what does a podiatrist do? If what you're, do we do? Th you're thinking of studying <laughs> podiatry, because what, the next question was going to be then, if I'm a physio, you're a podiatrist, yep. how can we work together? Yeah. And how should physios and podiatrists work together? Um, so if I put my private practitioner hat on, um, which I do every Thursday, I walk into my private practice and I mainly see kids. And so my work during the day is about how to help these little people meet their, um, meet their goals by being able to move. And we use our feet and our legs to move, which means we use them to communicate, to make friends, to, um, to keep physically active and to keep our heart healthy and our bones strong. And when we can't move as effectively as we, um, as we want, well, a podiatrist can play a role in that if it's the feet that are being an issue. We also have this wonderful thing called skin. It keeps all the bad stuff out and the good stuff in. <laughs> so one of the things podiatrists do really, really well is we look after skin and skin and nails. And it seems like the most benign, um, banal thing, but um, 
skin can get really sore and skin with some health conditions can get really damaged. Nails can get really damaged with some health conditions and podiatrists are really good at looking after skin and nails and um, skin and nail problems happen through the whole entire age span. Um, Everything from it's not uncommon for me to see a baby with an ingrown toenail right through to um, my colleagues who work in aged care and and provide uh, provide care for for older adults who are unable to self-care for their feet anymore. And these are super important things because I think all of us know how uncomfortable we are when our feet hurt. So I guess that's what a, a podiatrist does basically if it's a foot we'll have something to do with it so skin and nails and blood vessels and um wound care and then again musculoskeletal and bone concerns as well and so then how do we work with physios I, i can't imagine a world where i didn't work with physios because most of the kids I work with a lot of kids on the NDIS and most of them have both a physio and and an OT as part of their their practice and a lot of my colleagues who I work really closely with um, allows them to focus on the physical activity needs and strength needs of that child without having to worry about well is there anything I could provide that helps keep these kids up? Is there any structural support or assistive technology? Um, Could we just tweak their shoes? Because some shoes have different features that um, promote gait. So I guess I do a lot of orthotics. Um, I do a lot of taking kids out of orthotics because they didn't need them. Um, and, and then working with, with the physios, I guess, with a slightly different lens. Feet have a lot of muscles that sometimes you forget about as you get more focused on different parts of the anatomy. And so our focus can really then drill down to what's going on in the lower limb and, hey, can we do something here to promote that child's goals or help them meet their goals? Our first year BPT physios, a Bachelor of Physiotherapy students that I um, work with at Monash, we've just done the foot, anatomy of the foot, so they can appreciate that comment of yours as the foot has a lot of muscles. I could see it on their faces as they were going through the content. And then we also did a um, foundational lecture to the physios on skin, and and that was a really nice point of yours that the skin has such a, a broad function with the body. And um, and Randall Cooper has been on the podcast before. He talks about skin from an, an athlete perspective. And anyone who's ever had a blister is going to appreciate that's a blister. It's very yep. temporary. It's very painful. And, yep. and then start to think about what an ulcer m- might feel like. What are some of those um, broader systemic conditions that if somebody has that and say a physiotherapist is screening their general health, mm-hmm. they might think, okay, I'm potentially going to think of skin. I might think of their foot health. I might get the podiatrist involved. I'm thinking diabetes, peripheral vascular disease. Um, What what else could we think of? Yeah, most neurological conditions, many, many wounds on feet often go hand in hand with loss of feeling Hmm. or breakdown of vascular supply. So all podiatrists as a base level skill are skilled in assessing the vascular system. We do it with a a Doppler ultrasound machine and and commonly can measure the uh, how much blood flow is going on right to the periphery, so right to the right to the toes, and that gives us, I guess, risk 
indices for if we should um, refer back to the GP, whether whether someone should see a vascular surgeon. Um, if someone gets an ulcer, one of the, the key things around ulcer or wound care not only is addressing, but if you get an ulcer underneath your foot, you better get the pressure off it. And if we want, it kind of becomes this escalate of, of, um, of challenges that if you get a, a hole in your foot, you kind of got to get off it, which impacts your blood sugar levels because you're not exercising, right. which impacts and it kind of becomes this cascade. So... We spend, uh, um, our podiatrists who work in high risk spend a lot of time trying to keep people as active as they can be without while still healing a foot ulcer. And that becomes a complex interface between dressing, offload, assistive technology, support of the patient, um, sometimes considering nutritional status for wound healing. So all of those things are, are commonplace and often done in a high risk foot um, clinical setting. But out in the community, your podiatrist, your local podiatrist can do some of that base level uh, assessment and and wound care as well if someone did have a, a foot wound um, and provide someone with, a, I guess, some guidance of what their risk level is based on some of that information. It's, it's vital stuff, isn't it? It's, it could be the difference between, in some cases, life and death, having an ulcer addressed, but but, but the difference between walking and not walking and being healthy and not healthy. Mm. Well, we're and- finding out more and more. I'm sorry, Luke, I, I do yeah. want to just hammer home one one bit that we are finding out more and more that um, we, we can look at diabetes-related foot wounds a bit like cancer. The likelihood of death after your first um, foot wound in f- the first five years is exceptionally high if it's not addressed. And the challenge is you go, if you heal this wound, we're almost treating it like someone's gone into remission because we can't get rid of all those risk factors. They're still there. And we've got to continue to work with that patient about keeping them as healthy as we can because once you've had one, your likelihood of getting a second or a third or a fourth is actually quite high. So it's really important that, if anything, we can avoid that first one and sometimes that that really is about us all working together to understand people's individual risk factors that's a really interesting and good point you've made and it reminds me of in terms of screening perhaps another professional like a physio picking up on what some risk factors or maybe the very beginning of a an ulcer reminds me of the analogy of a hairdresser looking for melanoma in that way it's yeah. it's no funny business. It's a very serious job that they've got there of potentially noticing that, yeah. maybe being the first person to notice that and referring that on, and they can save, I'm sure hairdressers have saved many lives doing yeah. that. 100%. Mm. If you Simple question, if someone's got diabetes, have you had your feet checked? As simple as that because most people should be having it at, at least annually. Mm. Well, that's I'm really glad we hit that point because that's something that people can really take home and and use and always go back to. What about the other foundational knowledge and skills that so it doesn't have to be a podiatrist, but you are a podiatrist. That what are the most important skills and knowledge you, that you can't go to work without on a Thursday? Um, yeah, I, when you put this one to me, I, I thought of 101, and it just came down to really the ability to listen. Um, to me, communication, and I've got a bit of a bent towards um, 
being being a good listener and then being able to be a good communicator. And I know I'm not always the best, but, man, I try really hard. I spend a lot of time reflecting on how I've done, reflecting on do I think, uh, talking with my patients around their understanding, what matters to them. Have we, have we made a difference to what matters to them? And that old adage of if you listen to your patient long enough, they'll tell you what's wrong. And so I, I guess I probably spend, I think some days too, too long, listening and talking and chatting. But, man, I know my families. I know them, I know them really, really well. I know when things are going to break down, I can see it coming a mile away. I can hear when um, the treatment pathways haven't worked and I can often then identify early, hey, this would be the best idea to go, but do you think it would actually matter to your family if we did this? Or do you think you've got the capacity to actually implement this treatment plan? Because I can hear you've got a lot going on. And I don't want to be the one that you come in and go, well, I did nothing. And then you feel like a big failure. I I don't want to be the person that makes you feel like a failure. So I guess for me, foundational skills is um, leaving your ego at the door and um, listening to your patients and aligning whatever skill or foundation knowledge you have about your craft with what matters to them and then measuring it against what matters to them. Um, to me, you can't go wrong if you actually do that. And some days, sounds really silly, some days I feel like I've changed kids' lives with by just changing their socks, like moving from some sock to another sock because they've told me what the problem was and it's like, oh, why don't we give something else a go? And you don't, like, that. that's the most silly little thing ever, but sometimes it's the most simple by hearing what they actually care about. I felt my life change when I changed my socks when I was doing ultra marathon running, I tell you that. Yeah. Change from cotton to nice yep. proper running socks. Oh, hello. <laughs> Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> this is easier. And is that a combination? So you're listening. Is that foundation? Is, is there a bit of motivational interviewing oh, in yeah. there as, where, as well where you're – you have the foundation is the listening. Yeah. But then you're suggesting and pushing forward a bit and coming back. Yeah. Mm. I think we spend a lot of time going to courses as health professionals trying to learn trying to learn hand skills and machines that go ping and all these other a new technique is out. But how many times do we actually go and do a course on how to listen and communicate better? We kind of think we've all got it. And I think if we actually sat back and think of every patient we may have had a complaint about, they may have moved on to a different health professional, they may have not met their goals and so they're disengaged, it's probably not them, it's probably us. And so if we can sit back and kind of reflect on how we can be better communicators, I think we'll have a lot more success in in our patient outcomes. That's a really good way to end the the chat because I've got only got one question left and it's funny kid stories. I haven't um, prepped you for that one. You I haven't. I've just dropped no. it on you. So, oh. so you've got you've got thousands of funny kid stories. And so this is the hard bit here is you're choosing one, not thinking of one. But I was, I was thinking of your funny tweets you put out. If if you're not following Kylie on Twitter, get onto that. 
Kylie at Pete's Pod, and there's there's lots of she always brings the humour, and there's some funny <laughs> pictures of kids dressed in um, so not dressed um, um, doing biomechanical analysis <laughs> with um, at, with markers attached all over their body, and then not yep. behaving, and they're or they're doing silly dances and so putting all this effort into <laughs> doing biomechanical research with kids, and they're doing a dance. That's I'm glad you've me. given me, given me I, lead in. <laughs> I, none of the researchers or anyone or the parents or anyone involved in that found it funny, but everyone else watching did. <laughs> uh, I know my, my kids, that, um, and they are mine. They, they, they belong to me now because they come to see my practice. Um, I, I've got this one, one young lady I can think of. It was just near Christmas and I was exhausted by the end of last year. And she she rocked in she's been toe walking forever we have been struggling to get active range with her no matter what we do um they live quite regionally so they come and visit grandma and she came in and went i feel great all the pain's gone and it was kind of like really i don't reckon you've done anything that i've asked you to do and she goes no i haven't so what have you been doing and she goes I'll show you. And so she's raced out of the room and she's skated back in in rollerblades. And <laughs> what turned, what happened was she got rollerblades for her, I've never thought of it, um, got rollerblades for her birthday and she gained over 10 degrees of active range just by ro- You can't rollerblade on your tiptoes or you'll fall over. You need to dorsiflex in your rollerblades to break or you'll fall over. So she's basically had one of all these things. Um, she worked out her own therapy routine. And I've, I've only recently caught up with her. She's still rollerblading every day, absolutely killing it. She's still got her, her range. She's still toe walking. But the toe walking wasn't the issue for her. The toe walking was actually the pain. We have no pain. And so we don't really worry about the toe walking while we've got that range there at the moment. So there's your listening again, though, isn't it? <laughs> It's not just medicalizing a a, um, a condition based on something that you see. You know, there's an impairment. Yep. I'll try to fix that. Yeah. It's actually just looking at the person and and are they happy and are they rollerblading? Yeah, their pain gone away. Yep. But there's loads of look. I've got poo throwing stories, and <laughs> I've got I've got all sorts of. of That's number two. <laughs> that literally is a number two. Um, we've got all sorts of sorts of things. Working with kids is seriously one of the. It's hard some days. It's a bit sucky, but the majority of times, if you can, I'm a big kid. I have a ball when I go to work every day. So, you've got to have. Um, you can't go into it with a, a bad attitude. You've got to love kids and. Go in yep. there wanting to make a difference. Yeah. 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 Hey, um, one thing before we go, because I know you're trying to wind me up, but I do want to talk about a kid's pain project. Oh, please do. Yeah. Going on. Can I just can mindful I of your hard, time? Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> can I do a hard sell? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> so um we recently were were successful in an MRFF on chronic um musculoskeletal lower limb pain. Our team have researchers from all over the country and have loads of specialists. So we have orthopedic surgeons, rheumatologists, um, endocrinologists. We've got a couple of physios on board. We've got education designers. And one of the things we are looking to is to provide some foundations for kids' pain research in the future. We want to hear how parents 
want health professionals to talk about pain. How are we going to use um, our words that that help with pain and don't increase pain, particularly in in kids and with uh, lower limb conditions? Where um, I guess what what I wanted to say is follow us on all the social media on kids leg pain. Um, but there's also you'll see some some stuff out there where you can leave your details because we're going to be running a lot of uh, focus groups um, and they will predominantly be online where we want to hear people's opinions, particularly physios and podiatrists if they're listening, on, on what conditions are, are the most important that we focus on, on what outcomes on what assessments and also how we talk about these conditions are really important. The end product is going to be an education package for health professionals, an education package for uh, for parents and families, and also some work to be done with the hospitals on how they triage kids with chronic pain as well. But it's a really exciting four-year project. So um, it will only be as successful as how much engagement we have by health professionals. So it's kind of like this one's for you. So get on board. Right. So the kids leg pain, if we Google kids leg pain. Um, if, if you jump on Twitter or Facebook with yep. and, and Instagram, kids leg pain and follow us. We have loads of ways that you can um, make contact, get a newsletter, okay. you can see our tweets. And there's PhD opportunities. We've got some scholarships as well if people are super keen. Um, send me an email. Have a chat about how you might be able to, to be involved if you're looking for the next challenge in life. There you go. Because Matt King and Susanna and I spoke about doors that might open or might seem closed and knock on them and see if they're open. Yep. We talked about how you could get into research as a clinician. Mm. There you go. So sometimes jobs are advertised. Sometimes you hear about it on a podcast. Other times you just go and buy someone a coffee and you go and yep. say, I would like to meet with you and talk about common interests. Yep. Um, and there you go. Sometimes you hear about things and that could be you. So physios, podiatrists um, in particular, we need you to yep. be in, engaging in this project because there's a lot of talk about chronic pain language all over the internet, all over social media for clinicians and there's lots of research on it, but this is a project where you're actually developing materials to make a difference, to change it. There's an intervention of developing resources. So if yeah. you want to do something about it, that's how you can get involved and parents as well. Yep, absolutely. So Every single group will have parent involvement. Um, we can't do this as a bunch of health professionals. We need our parents to be at the forefront um, of everything we do. So they'll yeah. be part of every step. At kids' leg pain. Yep. One word. Yep. There you go. No hyphens and things. No, no. And I'll put, and I'll put all of that in the show description as well. To, if you're driving, you can look it up afterwards. Good. Anything else, Kylie, that you wanted to finish up on or, or no, talk about for your project? <laughs> no, all good. Thanks, Luke. <laughs> very, very busy, but this is all is really exciting, really important work. We've talked about the doctor podiatry medicine and the need for the you know, the real pressing need for more podiatrists and all the work you do. And then we've talked about the, the studies you're doing and the kids leg pain study and, and then your own approach to your own foundations or foundational skills and really focused around listening, mm -hmm. active listening and, and all the stories that you've got from working as a pediatric <laughs> podiatrist. There's so much more we could talk about. Let's wrap it up there. And um, I'm sure we can, well, hopefully we can have a time to 
do another episode like this unless you get super busy with your research. Oh, we'll get some of the crew to come and help you. So as we continue to grow, it'd be great to have people come in um, to, to provide information as we find out lots of stuff as well. Absolutely. Let's sort that out and let them know that they're coming on a podcast. <laughs> yep. I'm sure they'll be thrilled. <laughs> thanks a lot. Very, thanks very much, Carly. Really appreciate your time. And listeners, the usual, if you found the episode interesting, please share it. And in particular, I always ask you to share the episodes. I want to get this information out to lots of people, but go ahead and share um, the kid's leg pain and the information Kyla was talking about in this episode. Share it widely on all your different social media channels. Uh, tag Kylie in um, at Kylie Peds Pod. Tag me in as well at Luke Periton and at Periton Physio. And then if you want to share this episode, just go to periton.physio and find the link to all the podcast players you can imagine and share it out to the world. So... Thank you again, Kylie. Thanks, Luke. So until next time, this is Kylie and Luke wishing you all the very best with your studying, professional development and lifelong learning. 